giant voice. The official podcast of the United States Navy's largest overseas installation, Commander Fleet Activities, Yokosuka. All the information you need to succeed as a forward deployed sailor in Japan. Each week, we tackle one topic and speak to experts who can answer some of your most frequently asked questions. This is the Giant Voice Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Giant Voice Podcast. My name is MC Telling, and I hope everyone's having a great day today. Today we'll be talking with Vicki Adams. Now, she's the Regional Program Manager for the Yokosuka Red Cross. We'll be talking about all sorts of stuff today, but they want to make a big push to make themselves a bit more well-known in Yokosuka. So one of the big things they're pushing is uh, a bit more awareness of Red Cross messages. And what they are is that they're messages that can be sent out when something might happen to you or someone you know, uh, sent out to their families or your families and uh, lets them know like, hey, I'm not okay right now. And it's important to keep this kind of expeditious. So they want everyone in Yokosuka to make sure that they have their information filled out for these. So we'll be bringing Vicky in to talk about uh, just about everything they do. Uh, She's manager of all their programs, so I assume she's going to know a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoy. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, Miss Adams, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Vicki Adams. I'm the Regional Program Manager at the Yokosuka Red Cross. Our office is located here on base. We're in the middle school. And I started my job about a year ago. It's my first time working for the Red Cross. I have a history in nonprofit and uh, volunteer management. But this is my first time really being able to engage, especially in emergency services and things like that. So, um, and my first time at Yokosuka. Really? Yeah. Uh, how do you like it so far? Oh, it's so great here. I have a beautiful view of the water and you know oh. our office is right next to the water and I absolutely love that. I was at Camp Zama prior to this, um, oh, yeah. also a beautiful space, but I'm so glad to be at Yukiska now. That's great. So uh, could you tell me a little bit about Red Cross's mission, what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So our mission at the Red Cross is to really help people in the face of emergencies. So we prepare people in the event of an emergency by doing things like teaching CPR classes. We have babysitting classes for teenagers. Um, We also do preparedness classes, teaching our young kids how to um, pack an emergency bag, things like that. And then we also assist people after an emergency. So you've Mm -hmm. probably seen, you know, the Red Cross in the States does a lot of blood drives. Um, We are always there if there's, you know, an earthquake or a typhoon. And we do the same thing overseas. Here at Yokosuka, we don't do blood drives, but we're always here to support if there's a home fire, um, if there's, you know, an accident out on the water, that type of thing. Um, So we really just want to make sure our community is prepared and kept safe. That's our mission. That's great. I wasn't uh, too uh, familiar with the Red Cross prior. So uh, it's interesting to hear you guys do like, like, 
you'd you'd set up for disaster relief and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. So certainly um, in the event of an emergency here on base or if there are a wider emergency in Japan, um, we would work hand in hand with the command, you know, with CFE to make sure that everyone who has been affected is being supported. And if there were an incident where we had to do, you know, an evacuation of civilians, we would work again hand in hand with the command to, um, to make sure everybody gets out safely. So are you guys involved in evacuations, drills, and stuff like that? We do participate in all of the command drills that are related to any emergency services and evacuations. So um, we work with fleet and family whenever they're doing, um, you know, Uh, an event where people are trying to learn about getting their emergency packets together or when they're practicing what it would be like if, for example, there was an earthquake and the base were affected by that. We are in attendance at all of those and our volunteers come as well. We have a a pretty robust disaster action team. We call them the DAT. (laughs) And, um, And so our volunteers help out with that. It's not, you know, just staff. So it's also volunteer run. Absolutely. We have a lot of volunteer opportunities. Um, And one of the things that we do in the Red Cross, you know, here we're a small station. So we serve all of the Red Cross lines of service. And that means that we have volunteers that run our CPR classes that I mentioned before. They help out with our disaster relief. So if there were an evacuation situation, they would be on the front lines helping out with that. Of course, at some point they would have to evacuate as well. (laughs) Um, but, But they would stay as long as they could to help out with that process. We also have volunteers who serve in the rest of the community. So um, we have a lot of volunteers at the hospital, including medically trained professionals who are doing nursing, um, support with lactation, things like that. Mm. And then additionally, we have volunteers who help out at the library, at PAWS, the vet clinic, just sort of anywhere on base where there might be volunteers, the Red Cross tries to help support that. So this is a very spread out, large operation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're a small staff, but very mighty. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, on the sheet here, it says uh, you, you guys would like to talk about contact cards. Could you tell me a little bit about those? Absolutely. One of the things that um, we're best known for in sort of the service area is our emergency messages. A lot of people call them Red Cross messages. Right. So if you've ever received one or know someone who's received one, you probably know that a Red Cross message, you'll receive it in the event of an emergency. So a death or something going on back home that someone might be in the hospital or a birth or pre-birth. Um, basically, your family or yourself, you would initiate a message, and then the Red Cross will verify it and send it to your command so that hopefully you can be granted emergency leave. And so one of the things that we do to help um, get people prepared, again, back to our preparedness yeah. in the event of a disaster, um, we ask people to fill out contact cards. Basically, this is a way that you can put your um, your contact information into our database that is very secure um, in advance of an emergency. And And that way, if something does arise, your family members back home, uh, you know, aren't under any obligation and and don't have to really remember all of your, you know, your rank, what ship you're on, where to find you. Um, We get emergency messages every day. And unfortunately, as you may know, um, in the event of an emergency, a lot of people, you're you're in a panic situation, you can't remember things. And sometimes, you know, it's a situation where if it's mom or dad calling from home, they might not even know, right? So we'll get people calling saying, oh, you know, my sailor's out on a boat at Yokosuka. And we're like, okay. And, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, his name is John Smith. And we say, okay, well, what's his rank? You know, what's the command? I don't know. I don't know. Just just a boat in Yokosuka. And, uh, And of course, you know, 
that means that um, everyth- everything we don't know is more time it takes us to get the message to you. Um, our average message time from um, time in the door to time delivered to command is less than two hours. Um, and so things like that, you know, if your family doesn't know your information, it can really add on time. And I've unfortunately really heard some horror stories about people, mm-hmm. you know, deployed who their family doesn't know their information and it, it's, it can be hours before they get the information that something bad has happened back home. So if we can get your information into our system in advance with a contact card, then as soon as your family calls in, basically we can look you up by birth date, we can look you up by last four digits of social, any of those little bits of information that um, that they they do have, and then we'll already be able to say, oh, we know your commands, we know where to find them, we can absolutely get in touch immediately, and we don't have to keep calling the family back, that kind of thing. All right, thank you. And if something were to happen to me or my family, uh, who would I, or how would I send one out? How would I uh, contact you guys? Absolutely. So you can always call our local Red Cross office, um, or you can call the Hero Care Network. You can also issue a message through the internet if you go to the Hero Care Center. There's a way to do it all online. Um, So that's a great way to initiate the message. And that is a 24-hour line, seven days a week. So you can always reach someone by either calling the line or if you submit something digitally, then it'll immediately go someone uh, to someone from the call center and they will get in touch immediately. In terms of doing a contact card, we have those posted on our Facebook page. So mm-hmm. people can fill that out. It takes about two minutes. I actually brought one here today so you can fill yours out. <laughs> and you can see wow. how, how quick and easy it is to fill oh, out. It's tiny. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very... Uh... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we do have hard copies. Anyone can stop by the office and fill it out, but it's also available from our Facebook page, uh, American Red Cross Yokosuka, um, along with, you know, that QR code, we've been posting it everywhere. But seriously, it just takes two minutes to fill out. We just need, you know, some very, very basic information and it's all kept in a secure database. So it's, you know, we're not like selling it and someone's going to contact you about getting, you know, Sailor Magazine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the car's limited warranty is about to expire. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, and these are these are completed in advance, right? Exactly. So what we're doing this month, March, is Red Cross Month, mm-hmm. and we're going to be at the Red Brick uh, area several times this month. You'll be seeing us at Ombudsman Assembly, just out and about in the community, trying to spread some cheer and get the word out. And we'll have these contact cards the entire time, so people can stop us and say, "Hey, can we get a card from you?" or scan the QR code. Um, and yeah, exactly like you said, we, we're asking people to fill these out in advance because you can't predict an emergency, right? right. Um, thankfully, but also unfortunately. So this way you're already in the system. And so if somebody does have to initiate, you know, if, if you get a call in the middle of the night and your family is saying, we need you to come home, you're already in our database. It just saves you that much more time. You can say, oh, this is my name and, and you know, the last four of my social will immediately be able to pull up all your information and we already know how to get in touch with your command. Like I said, our, we're down to fewer than two hours getting getting messages in. That's, That's our average. That's extremely impressive. Yeah, it's great. Um, but, you know, we do every now and then somebody, it's, it's really, it's almost always family members calling in from the States and they're just like, right. I know my kid is in Japan, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> um, and and every time, you know, every step that they don't know, if right, if they don't even know like Yokosuka or if they're just like, oh, they're in the Navy, you know, it can really take some extraction to really nail down where they are. Um, I personally am on a contingency team, so I'll um, I'll do two-hour shifts where I'm 
all I do is deliver messages. And really? even then sometimes, you know, if people are like on a TDY or something, that can also cause a little bit of disruption. And um, yeah, so we, we do everything in our power to make it easy right from the beginning so that when you're in that emergency, you're not scrambling. Especially the Navy, it's interconnected. You know, people are going everywhere. So Absolutely. I imagine that's that's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, and I mean, we the emergency messages for, are for all branches of service, including, you know, like our merchant Marines and things like that. So it really is, it's a worldwide. And when you think about how big the world is and trying to pinpoint where one little person is on the map, right. it, it can be a little bit of a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about more of your volunteer programs at the Red Cross for CFA? Absolutely. We take volunteers from as young as 11 years old, so middle school students. Uh, we, as I, as I mentioned before, we're located in the middle school. So we have some students who just okay. drop by after school and they'll help us out with you know, shredding papers and folding t-shirts and getting mannequins ready for an upcoming <laughs> CPR classes. Um, it's really great. They're immensely helpful to us. Uh, so as young as 11 and up to any age, we take volunteers. The first step is that we ask them to fill out an online application and then come in for a very short orientation. And the point of the orientation is to really help um, help them pinpoint what they're looking to do. You know, some people come straight to us. They've volunteered with the Red Cross for ages. So they're like, hey, I'm a CPR instructor. Sign me up. I want to start teaching classes for you. And it's like, great, we'll get you in the door. But other people might be looking... Um, you know, for promotion points or trying to get, uh, you know, credit towards graduation and they need volunteer hours. We get mm -hmm. a lot of that. And so they're not really sure exactly what they want to do, but they know that they want to give their time and service. And so we'll have an orientation, let them know about all of our many opportunities. You know, if they maybe want to get in the door at the hospital or try their hand at the vet clinic, or if they just want to spend some time, you know, shelving books at the library, you really help them find that thing that's going to um, be a good fit. Uh, we have a lot of people also that are looking either to change careers or have a little bit of career continuity, right? And so this can be a great place, especially we have a lot of social workers um, mm -hmm. that, that come to us that are interested in doing casework. So the exact type of people that are helping follow up with someone who might have had an emergency message, we always do a follow up and make sure, hey, did the message come through? Is there anything else we can help with? So we have volunteers that will make those phone calls to check in with people. Um, and some people, you know, honestly, are just looking to get out of the house and, and kill a little bit of time. And they're always welcome in our office. We, we like to see our office as kind of a community space. And so we have sometimes people that'll come in once a week and, you know, similar to the teenagers, they'll help us out with whatever little things might need to get done. I had someone come in yesterday and help us box up some stuff to mail out to another station. Um, so there's really a wide range of opportunities and suiting a wide range of needs. I think it can be isolating to be, you know, in another country, especially if your spouse is maybe out at sea and you don't see them for a while. Right. And so we want to be a place where people can come and, and find purpose, right? And so... For some people, that is service. And um, we have so many opportunities, especially leadership roles for people who might be trying to sort of puff up a resume that, that doesn't have work on it for a couple of years because they've been overseas. So we really see ourselves as a community space. Or maybe someone using GI Bill for a master's degree wants to 
do something beside outside of class but can't maybe work full time so yeah exactly we do have a lot of students coming in who just need you know either need those hours or are looking to supplement their time with something else um, and you know volunteer opportunities it's as with any place that you volunteer you can sort of give as little or as much as you want right so we have some volunteers that they just come once a quarter and they help us out if we're doing a table or an event we have other volunteers that we see Every single week, you know, they, they're either coming into the office. We have some excellent, actually a family that helps us out at AOB at the resource fair. So they're oh. there every week for us. Um, I mentioned that we have medical volunteers at the hospital. We have the most fabulous volunteers there. Some of them literally are work, almost basically working full time, you know, doing 30 and 40 hours a week. And it's such a great partnership we have with the hospital and so great for people who have medical licensing and really need to keep their skills up, but can't necessarily find a job. So it's a great way, not not necessarily exclusively at the hospital, but it's a great way for anybody who really is trying to prevent there from being a gap on their resume. Um, they can come into us or really any volunteer place and, um, you know, get into a leadership role, become, you know, really active in our community. Um, and, and, and then not only are they able to sort of have this helpful thing for their resume, but it's also really making a difference in CFA. I can't tell you how many volunteers are out there just giving so much, not just for the Red Cross, but USO, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. There's yeah, so much yeah. volunteerism here and it, it really makes a huge difference to CFA. And uh, I'm just a little curious, what do uh, some of the Red Cross volunteers do at the hospital? So all sorts of different things. Um, we have administrative volunteers. Mm -hmm. So they're helping out with things like billing, scheduling appointments, filing paperwork. Um, they all, all of our hospital volunteers go through a very extensive background check and credentialing yeah, yeah. And, and training as well. Um, they all actually receive a VOLAC, which is a volunteer cat card. So it gives oh, them network huh. access, um, but it doesn't have their picture on it. So it's, it's different from a CAC, but... Yeah but the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we have non-medical volunteers like that. We're also just now getting our, um, we used to have a comfort cart that would go around to the patients and give little treats and Aww. books. And as you can imagine, that got shut down during COVID for safety. Yeah, but we're yeah. just now getting that program built back up. So we have non-medical volunteers that help out with that. And then, as I mentioned, we have a lot of medical, you know, medically trained people who are coming here, not necessarily able to find a job or don't have the time, but still want to give, you know, stay stay credentialed and, and keep their skills up. So pretty much all of the units at the hospital, we have people in, you know, the emergency department. We have people in the maternity room, MIU. Um, we have um, people, we have a lactation specialist who's been helping out in the birthing center. Um so yeah, we, we really have volunteers everywhere at the hospital. I, I will say, if I may, um, the hospital is not a good place if you're trying to start a medical career. It's not a teaching hospital. And so right. we can't, you know, a lot of people will come to us and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about going to med school. Can I intern at the hospital? And that's not something that is a possibility at this time. Um, so we, those types of volunteers will generally try and put into either an administrative role or sometimes at the vet clinic because the vet clinic does have a little bit more, I, you know, it's not exactly the same, but you know, there's no. a, a medicinal <laughs> but... component. Um, and, you know, 
know, some of our They're volunteers. Alive. <laughs> They're alive. <laughs> um, and, and some of our volunteers actually, about six months ago, uh, attended a surgery at the vet clinic and were really? able to, you know, they're, they're not doing the hands-on, but they're right there alongside, you know, the veterinarian really watching and getting, you know, I, I still call it, it's hands-on experience, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. That's All cool. right. That's really cool. It is I did, cool. <laughs> we have great yeah. volunteers. <laughs> I didn't know you guys had such a kind of strong presence in Yokosuka. I had no idea, honestly. Well, I think now that we've had this conversation, you're going to start seeing us everywhere. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you know, um, we always have our, our um, volunteers will wear their name tag. And sometimes at the hospital, they'll be wearing a vest as well. If they're just out in the community, they'll wear the Red Cross shirt. But of course, that's not appropriate attire at the hospital. So you'll definitely see them in the name tag. But um, I think, you know, now that now that it's in your brain, you'll start seeing our little Red Cross everywhere. <laughs> And uh, to shift gears a bit from volunteers to classes, I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit about the classes you guys have. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, tell me about that. So we offer a couple different types of classes. Primarily, we're offering those preparedness classes that I talked about before. So we regularly have CPR, AED, and first aid. This is great for anybody who just wants to get up on their skills, um, you know, feel like they're safe in their home or there are a lot of people who do actually need it as a requirement for their job. So people, mm -hmm. anyone who works teaching aerobics classes at MWR, they come through us to take our CPR classes. We also have a great babysitter's program. This is for teenagers. We generally recommend it ages 11 to 15, though, of course, you know, anyone outside that range can take it. So they'll learn the basics of babysitting, you know, how to keep kids safe really? and entertained. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, part of that class is working with parents and, and you know, yeah, how do yeah. you how do you create a fun environment that is also safe? And then as part of that class, they also take pediatric CPR first aid. And we offer AED, even though people don't have AED in the home, which is a little <laughs> added bonus because um, it never hurts to learn how to use it of and AEDs no, no, no. are pretty simple. Um, the other class we offer is not um, not sort of generally it's open to the public but it is geared towards medical professionals. It's called basic life support and so you're really hmm. learning how to do CPR type skills but in a medical environment where you might have three you know two or three people working on a patient at a time. So you learn the skills where one person would be doing rescue breaths and the other person is doing compressions and um, so it's, it's more of a team skills class. So we do offer it because as I said we have a lot of medical professionals who are required to have that course but but, um, you know, the average person, we, we generally deter sort of the average person from taking it because it's a much higher skill level. And it, right, can, right. it can be stressful to be learning about, you know, how do, how do you handle someone, um, you know, who's in a hospital bed, right? Most people mm. at home don't need to know how to do CPR on someone in a hospital bed. Um, one of the other things that we offer that I think is a little bit unique is we have for our volunteers an entire host of online trainings that are related to all of our lines of service. So for example, someone on our disaster action team, a DAT member, can take hours and hours of training online about how to stand up a shelter, how mm -hmm. to run a shelter in the event of an emergency, um, what to do if they need to interact with FEMA, things like that. We have a ton of online classes um, that are available, you know, whenever you want to sign up for them, they're, you know, they're sort of run like a PowerPoint and you take that information. We do also have live online, um, but all of those classes count towards volunteer hours. So this is a great way that people can also supplement their time, you know, if they don't have a lot of time to give in person, but are still looking to maybe get those promotion points or, you know, 
know, for school, all of our classes online do count towards um, to count towards volunteer service. And so while it's not exactly what you were asking about sort of our classes that we offer here, it is opportunity available to our volunteers that um, a lot of them take advantage of. And it's really cool. What I always tell our volunteers is if there's a line of service that you're not sure about, you know, if you're thinking, I don't know, maybe disaster interests me, but I'm not really sure. You can take one of these online classes, you know, intro, basically intro to disaster action team and really see if it's a good fit for you. You know, it's half an hour, 45 minutes, and then you'll get a sense of like, oh, wow, I really am into this, you know, learning more about shelters or we, you know, those trainings, we have a training for hurricanes and typhoons and earthquakes. You know, how do you respond to this exact type of event? Um, So it's a great way to kind of you know, dip your toe in to different areas of the Red Cross without having to fully commit. Huh, okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you guys have some upcoming events, right? Uh, I see a lot of on here. Yeah. So as I mentioned, March is Red Cross month. So we're going to be at the Red Brick area a lot, really trying to get the word out about um, the services that we offer. And, um, you know, we'll be doing a lot of sort of giveaways for anybody who fills out one of these contact cards. We'll be doing a little, a little giveaway. <laughs> um, and then we're also going to be teaching some skills. So one of the first things that we're doing is on March 9th, we're doing hands-only CPR. This is not a certification course, so you you don't get a certification, but in 10 minutes, you can learn how to do just compression CPR to save a life. And so we'll be teaching people those skills and handing out stickers that say, I saved, a, I learned how to save a life today. <laughs> um, so we'll be at the Red Brick area for that on March 9th. Then on the 16th, we're really going to be talking about emergency preparedness. So we're going to have our emergency bags out there and showing people what do you need to take. If you had to evacuate today, are you ready? Is your bag ready? There's things that a lot of people don't remember in the event of an emergency. You know, everybody thinks passport, money, oh, I'm going to need water, you know, clothes for the kids. But sometimes things fall through the cracks, especially in that last minute. So a lot of people right. forget that you're going to bring your pet, but did you remember your pet food? You know, yeah, do you yeah. remember your pet carrier? Are they just on a leash? Um, things like diapers, stuff like that. It just falls through the cracks. So we're going to be out there talking about, let's get your go bag ready. Here's the stuff you need. Go home and pack it today and just put it in a corner and have it grab and go. We'll be doing that on March 16th. Then on the 20th, we partnered up with the library. As I mentioned, we have a lot of volunteers who go there. So we'll have a table at the library sort of having little give outs and also just letting people know about the the opportunity that's available there. And then on March 22nd, we will also be at the Red Brick area doing um, really featuring some of our other community partners, letting people know the other places on base where they can volunteer, such as hospital, vet clinic, things like that. And uh, we're working with PAWS. Hopefully they'll be out the, uh, there with us as well. Nice. Yeah. To ask a final question, is there uh, is there anything else you think I missed or anything you want to talk about? Uh, any more programs, stuff like that, that you think is uh, important to the Red Cross? just want to thank you so much for having us on the show and let the community know that, uh, you know, the Red Cross is a space that is here for everyone. And so if someone's looking for volunteer opportunities, if they need some support after an emergency, if they're trying to get ready for an emergency, you know, we are a place that people can come and gain whatever resources it is that they need. And if we can't help them, we'll certainly refer them to the right place. So people should feel free to drop into our office 
office. You know, we're open eight to four, Monday through Friday. Um, if they need that emergency and it's after hours, anybody who calls our, our phone line after hours is going to get our, you know, a, a message that directs them to call the Hero Care Center. And so we really try and be as supportive as we can, you know, year round, hour round, all day long. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. Appreciate it. The Giant Voice Podcast is a production of Commander Fleet Activities Ecosco Public Affairs Office. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of the Department of the Navy or the Department of Defense. Thanks for listening.